This is Trav Johnson with the Access a Story podcast, discovering more about faith formation, culture, and the story of God. You can follow us at accessastory.com or you can follow me at travjohnson.com. So this is our second podcast in our series on Sherpa, having some conversations that uh, unpack some of the content we've covered in retreat. So again, those who are doing Sherpa, welcome to the podcast. If you're not, welcome anyway. We hope that what we have to say is something, uh, brings something of value to you. So this is session one, the story of culture. And again, uh, Adrian and Nate are here with us to have some of this Convo. Hello. Yes. Welcome to both of you. Thank you. Um, One of the things that uh, we covered in our retreat was the idea of the story of culture. And to help us uh, think about that, we talked through... Uh, well, we, we um, defined dominant cultural narratives. In fact, from Wikipedia, we shared this, that a dominant narrative can be used to describe the lens in which history is told by the perspective of the dominant culture. And this term has been described as an invisible hand that guides reality and perceived reality. And so the story of culture informs, um, I guess, how we think about ourselves and why we exist, all those sorts of questions we're dealing with with Sherpa. One of the questions I had for you guys when we think of this uh, a concept or idea of dominant cultural narratives, what, what comes to mind for you in regards to what is it, um, how do these things inform our own stories, um, and you know perhaps how, that ch- how that's changed over, over time as well? Um, yeah. You got some thoughts on that, Adrian? Yeah, I, I'll share a bit of the story by, by telling a story that for me is very visual and captures the sense of how culture around us has changed and continues to change significantly. We, we being, I guess, you know, Christians, the church, where we're uh, at the moment in a city called Adelaide, just south of Adelaide, there's an old town called Old Nolunga. And on the hill overlooking Old Norlunga, which is a lovely, lovely town with a river flowing through it and it now has a major highway next to it. But on the hill overlooking the town is a church. It's an Anglican church built in the early 1800s. And we've got friends that live in the town. And when we go there, I stand on their front lawn and, and look up to the right to this hill that overlooks the town. And perched atop the hill is this Anglican church. And, and I cast my mind back to when it was first built in the early 1800s, and I, and I can almost visualise every Sunday morning people from the town of Old Nolunga just you know, heading, making their way up the hill to the church mm. and the sense that the church was the centre of the community and it was built on a hill not by chance. It was very purposefully built there to have this sense of the church overlooked the town. The church was watching over the town in a in a good way, but also in this sense that, you know, we are we are watching you. The church is always there, always present, watching over the town, keeping an eye on it. But this sense that the church was the centre of that community, it provided uh, a, a great presence, a, a strength, a sense of morality, purpose, all those sorts of things to that township. And every weekend people headed up the hill to worship in that church. And that was that was maybe the case until 40 or 50 years ago. That church today no longer operates as a worshipping community. It's used as a wedding chapel. That's all its use is today. And so as I stand on the front lawn of our friend's place and look up to the church overlooking the town of Old Nolunga, it, it summarises for me, I guess, the sense of how much our culture has changed around us and continues to change 
Nate's got some great reflections around that as well. Yeah, I think it, it's a helpful analogy because of that reality of how much things have changed around it. So the church has stayed there as a building on top of the hill, but I'm sure that the houses that are all around it mm. and just the makeup of the community even, you mentioned there's a big highway that's been built there now, mm. all of that has shifted and yet the church has kind of stayed there. Yeah. Um, and so in some ways I think some versions of Christianity would say, yeah, exactly, and we're going to kind of stick it out to the bitter end and mm. <laughs> keep yeah. holding up our traditions and all those sorts of things mm. but it also is just a reminder of the reality that our culture constantly shifts mm. and if we're not careful then we can be this um, seemingly irrelevant thing that's just kind of sitting there uh, that doesn't really speak to our culture anymore yeah or one day we open the front door and look out over <laughs> this community and suddenly realize wow things have changed a lot and i think that's probably the journey that a lot of churches are going on right now is that all of a sudden we're waking up to this reality that culture hasn't just moved a little bit and we need to tweak some things there's some wholesale changes that need to happen yeah yeah part of the um thought that i had when we think about the reason that we're you know thinking about this subject uh is because we're we're in danger if we don't um if that mm. if that analogy is true uh then if we're still living by the assumption that it's the christian narrative that is informing um the culture that we mm. uh, that we swim in that we that yeah. we move in that we're constantly surrounded by um then uh irrelevance is uh, just just a reality of the uh of the next generation of uh, of those who would be um who would be pursuing you know discipleship and following jesus yeah. uh, and so one of the things that we looked at was uh, some of the narratives that inform uh, certainly the people that we work with so an emerging generation um, but also perhaps even us uh, the, the reality is that there's if it's not the christian narrative that we're surrounded by as we once were there are other narratives that are going to speak into our lives and we actually unpack some of those at the retreat we talked about the the narrative of religion, narrative of consumerism, perhaps a narrative narrative of self. Yep. Um, are, are there others that uh, come to mind for you guys? And and what's behind um, my thinking here is, you know, what what uh, what is the reason that we're uh, we're thinking about this? What's the value or importance of uh, identifying and perhaps pulling apart um, this this story of culture? Yeah, I think certainly, I mean, we've touched on a couple of the ones that have already been highlighted, but I think the culture of comfort is a very significant one, taps into consumerism. Um, but a step further than that to say, well, if I can just get like the right house, the right job, the right promotion, the right relationships, go on the right holidays then when I get to that point, life's going to be great and then I'll be able to really live. And so the narrative becomes about how do I get all of those things in my life. But I do think for the majority of us that culture of me and ego is a very significant thing. And so um, our social media brand and mm. all of the things that we promote about ourselves, uh, what's in it for me is our default thought when anyone asks us <laughs> to do anything. It's not how can I serve. But for a lot of us, it's like, oh, what's this going to cost me? And is it worth it? And I don't know. And so, yeah, I think both of those things. Donald Miller said uh, a long, long time ago, he wrote about um, just the reality that all of us see ourselves as 
has stars on every movie set that we walk into that when we walk into a room we instantly assume everyone's looking at us and uh, it was really challenging that notion to say what's it look like for us to come on and elevate other people to be the star on the set Mm. and I think that's a really really shocking helpful (laughs) reality check for all of us is that I think when we do walk into any room we kind of assume everyone's looking at us listening to us thinking about us even though that's not true I think the, the the culture shaper influence around individualism is, is again key. Mm. That ties in with consumerism and, and also like in a post-truth world is incredibly challenging. And so individualism is that sense that, that everything revolves around me. Remember the, the ad for A&P probably five or six years ago that tagline said uh, for the most important person in the world you yeah Yeah. can actually yeah it's i'm not the most important person in the world but individualism says the world revolves around you 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 are the center of the universe everything revolves around you and again it's 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 counter um christ's message it's counter scriptural um to to fall into that trap because ultimately you know our identity is found in being part of of god's story Mm. so individualism is is rampant we see in so many ways and and similarly through consumerism that sense that that i am the center of the universe even in popular media we do tend to hear phrases like the culture of celebrity those are the celebrity culture uh where we're encouraged or encouraged maybe even driven (laughs) to brand ourselves to to package ourselves to ship ourselves and we're defined uh, we define ourselves by the expectations of those who are around us and so Mm. even our even our culture is recognizing there's you know there's elements of of cultural narratives that are perhaps even even counterfeit uh, that that aren't that aren't true that aren't that aren't right and and so we would say as again as followers of jesus that the the god narrative is the is the um is the best way to understand Mm our world and there are counterfeit narratives that we attach ourselves to that, that are going to lead us astray um and so i, I come back to the uh, the leader of the of the church in old nolunga uh, that you described before and and wonder if there was times where he stood out by the front door when people weren't coming up the hill on a, yeah. on a sunday or you know how, how did how did he respond in that moment did he rail against the reality that culture was shifting uh, did he be did he uh, reinforce his own irrelevance his or her own irrelevance um by by doing that like and, and so that that helps me wonder it causes me to wonder about uh the reality of how do we respond um you know we continue to align ourselves to the narrative of god's story because we would um uh, live by the uh the conclusion that these other narratives aren't uh, they're, they're counterfeit narratives yeah. um how's the best way what's the best way for us to respond in that context do you guys have some thoughts about that yeah i think it's good to recognize i think we've talked about a lot of negative narratives yeah Um, i think it's good to recognize that there are also positive narratives that are out in culture as well and so i think the challenge that you're raising is to say how do we recognize that they're there first of all because it is just so ingrained into us that we can just embrace these cultural narratives without thinking about it so we have to learn how to critique cultural narratives, critique our culture, and then out of that be able to say, is this something that resembles what we know is God's narrative? Mm. Because if it doesn't, then that's when we need to make choices to say we we do actually need to be countercultural mm. in this in a healthy way, in the same way that the early church had to in terms of Roman culture. So it's been there right since the beginning. But there are also times when we can say there are actually things that sound a lot 
like or smell a lot like or um, yeah, are very, very similar to God's narrative. Yep. Um, N.T. Wright talks about the idea of echoes, these things that we hear that it's like, oh, that kind of reminds me of this. And I think too often the church has been focused on railing against culture mm. all of the time <laughs> instead yeah. of saying, actually, do you know what? Where does that come from, that mm-hmm. desire for beauty, that desire for justice, that desire to make a difference? Those things are actually a part of something that's much, much bigger. Mm. So that's not something to rail against. That's something to lean into mm. and say, well, this is where I get my sense of those things from. Mm. Where do you get that from? Because in actual fact, when you look at our individualistic, me-centred culture, a lot of those things don't make any sense. Mm. So where is that coming from? And I think there's good conversations we can have out of that. Yeah, that's a really good point, Nate, isn't it? And the challenge then is how do we put those filters on so that we see where God is at work, where we see God's fingerprints around us? How do we actually do that? And and as you said as well, not be known for what we're against. Mm, yes. And that the world is a horrible, dark place. It's godless, yada, yada, yada. No, actually, God is at work. Where, mm. where do we see him? And what are the lenses we need to put on in order to see yes. him at work? Yeah. So both of you uh, have, you're thinking about this and and, and I guess the the conversation that we're having means that we're giving some sort of thought to it. Um, So the assumption I would make for both of you guys is there's uh, some things that you've um, built into your own lives where there is growth taking place, where you're positioning yourself so that you're able to identify both those things that are perhaps perhaps negative and, and uh, uh, are not helpful, uh, but also being able to recognise the, the echoes of the story of God in the, in the culture that are around us. And so my question to you and perhaps to myself as well is like, what are the, what are the places that we're either intentionally or or we just seem to be um, naturally moving towards, you know, postures where we're learning. Where, how, how do you guys grow in the, your understanding of culture and how that informs um, your own context? There's a couple of things for me. One, one is reading good books, listening to good podcasts, things like that, which, which challenge and inform how I see the world, how I see God at work and how I see my place in it. So, so reading and, and trying to learn and be challenged constantly is one way. The other is being part of a, a great faith community, whether it's a church I belong to um, or even just conversations like the three of us are having that, that just encourage and challenge what I think and how I'm approaching things. And, and prayer and engaging with the Bible are, are really vital as well, not simply to... Um, to continue to do what I've always done and always thought and always assumed, but to prayerfully allow God to challenge me and, and shape my thinking as I as I dig into Scripture and pray through it as well. So I think those four things, um, reading, learning, uh, being part of a really good faith community and engaging with other Christians, prayer and Scripture engagement. Mm. What about you, Nate? I think for me, I uh, just need to have time out on a regular basis mm. to pull away from things. So our culture is very, very noisy. Um, and so if I don't take the time out to stop and to consciously try and reflect, um, then there's no chance of me joining the dots on any of that because it's just coming mm. at us 100% of the time, whereas on our devices, being bombarded with media. So um, those messages do seep into us. So <clears throat> having regular disciplines of being able to slow down enough to 
stop to switch things off mm. to be able to journal and say well what am i processing and why is that something that's a massive motivator for me mm. i think those disciplines are important um, but i would also say how are we learning from culture as well so i would agree listening to podcasts reading good books um, there's a podcast called this cultural moment yeah. um, that i would say should be mandatory listening for anyone who's involved in just about anything to do with culture right now because mm. they're doing a great job unpacking some of these sorts of things um, watching TV shows that help to unpack that stuff so uh, one of the shows I watch is Gruen which yeah. does a great job of unpacking advertising and the messages that we're being presented with mm. um, so finding those things where I can learn from culture and where they're asking questions or making comments that I wouldn't think about by myself yeah. I think that's really really important yeah that's good um, so we've spent some time thinking about this concept of dominant cultural narratives we've asked ourselves the question well, why is this important and we thought about what it is to respond to that one of the things I really liked uh, that's come out of our conversation is being able to again um, uh, evaluate that which perhaps isn't helpful but also uh, recognize how God's working even in the midst of our, of, of our culture yeah. uh, that's 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 something that stood out to me from our conversation um, and we've also thought about okay how do we how do we grow uh, and so thanks for thanks for sharing that um, uh, from both of your perspectives one of the things that that I'd like to just finish with is uh, something that I've been uh, uh, um, thinking through just recently out of Psalm 138 out of my own journal um, my own journal experience and uh, Psalm 138 verse 2 out of the voice translation says this I bow before you looking to your holy temple and praise your name for your unfailing love and your truth for you have placed your name and your word over all things and all times and I love that phrase that the voice uh, gives us your word uh, you have placed your name and your word over all things and all times and so my journaling I just wrote some of these thoughts that God remains over humanity's wrestle uh, with culture uh, God uh, God remains over that um, God's identity and his activity of self-revelation aren't subject to the times we live in or the things we surround ourselves with he remains who he is his authoritative love never goes out of fashion uh, and that's been a helpful thought for me uh, just recently as I've taken a moment to, to draw aside myself and think about uh, how God's narrative is um, is even being woven into my into my own life and experience um, and hopefully that sets us up for our next podcast as well where we think about uh, the story of God so Nate Adrian thanks again thank you thanks mate You've been with Trav Johnson on the Access to Story podcast, discovering more about faith formation, culture, and the story of God. Remember, follow us on accessthestory.com, or you can catch up with me on travjohnson.com.